And so uh, I shall not walk praying through that. So I thought there may be some of our new converts that may not even really understand the tabernacle plan. Maybe I haven't had time to teach it. So I thought I would just teach about the, the basic tabernacle plan to pray, to pray through. And uh, I did not get very far last week. So uh, you're going to be able, able to get from the ground up. Psalms chapter number 100 and scripture uh, in the, where we arrived at was verse number 4 but we'll begin in verse number 1 from Psalms 100 verse number 1. Good to have our guests. God bless you for being with us. God bless you. Good to see you. And I believe your son-in-law and brother Dan are still communicating by way of so, uh, pastors in Switzerland, and I had also visited us some months ago, and it was good to get to meet him. And then it's good to have our own sister back home. She's been sick, had surgery, and uh, we love you. Enjoyed our time together this week. God bless you. And uh, it's good to see you back in church. But I haven't gone anywhere, and that's a problem. I can't go anywhere. So I'm glad she's back at church and she's able to go somewhere. Amen. God bless you. Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. And they can talk about all our noise all they want, but we have Bible for our noise. We're joyful about it. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness you know I've, I've had people call me a car salesman I've had people uh, uh, I've had people say that smile can't be real I said follow me around you'll find out it really is real because the Bible says serve the Lord with I don't want to be the other person you don't want me to be the other person I don't want you to be the other person. I want to serve the Lord with gladness. And I want to come before his presence with, man, I don't want to come to church all dead, dull, depressed, discouraged, and despondent, and got the gloom of the world on me. You know what? I want to serve the Lord with gladness. It's a joy serving God. I love living for the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Know you that the Lord... This is powerful. He is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. And we are his people. And we are the sheep of his pastor. I'm glad the Lord is my shepherd. And when the Lord is your shepherd and when, the, when you know you're God's people, Verse 4 says, therefore, enter into his, his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. Boy, isn't that awesome. For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Aren't you glad to be in his courts? in his gates, in his sanctuary. 
and we ought to be able to give him praise because of it. I've entered into his courts with thanksgiving and with praise, Lord. I love you with all my heart. That is being able to enter into his gates. Matthew chapter number 16 and 18. Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and 18. Peter, Jesus has asked Simon Peter, who do men say that I am? He begins to say, some say you're Jeremiah, some Elias. But Jesus then said, but who do you say that I am? Peter quickly says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus quickly responds and said, and thou art, is blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the now we got gates that we can come into and be thankful because we're protected and we're we're sheep of His pasture. But hell has no protection. And I say that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hell has no protection. Hell has no gate that you can't break through. Hell has no wall that you can't break down. Your backslidden children have no wall that prayer can't break through. Your family has no wall that prayer can't break through. This city has no stronghold that we as a church can't break through it. Hell has no gates that's unattainable, unaccessible to us. And so for a little while, I'd like to preach, teach about uh, what hell can't stop, what hell can't stop. Upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. It can't stop. The church is moving onward and upward. Jesus' name, tell somebody hell can't stop it. God bless you. May be seated. Psalms chapter number nine really quickened me. This is where I found a real push to be able to uh, teach about the tabernacle. As we look at the tabernacle, it was a place built for us, for the people of God, the children of Israel, to be able to worship, having come out of Egyptian captivity. Now there's going to be a dwelling place that's going to be built. God takes Moses up on top of the mountain, and there God gives to him the tabernacle plan. And the Lord would say to him repeatedly, See that thou make it according to the pattern that I have shown thee the mount and so God would show Moses the pattern upon the mount and he would see it in the invisible realm there he would come back down and he would give it to the children of Israel they would begin to make the furniture they would begin to make the tabernacle for a dwelling place of the most high now this was a temporal dwelling place it was not stationary it was movable signifying the day that he would dwell not in the tabernacle of goat skins, but he would dwell in a tabernacle of you and I. 
And so it was a type and a shadow of that which was to come. And so the tabernacle was laid out, and in that tabernacle there was that gate, that entrance. And so uh, the kingdom of God that we are a part of, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to, to call it the kingdom of God, we may live in a world that's gotten away from the Bible. We may live in a world that's gotten away from the sanctity of life. We've gotten away from the, uh, a world that has gotten away from the principles of the Bible. But I want to just say I still love the Bible, and I still believe the Bible. I still believe in the infallibility of the Bible. The Word of God is still right. It's still true. It's still the only plan of salvation. If you're going to get from this world to that world, you've got to obey the Bible you got to obey the Bible. It's not just a book that's good. It's not just a book of, of good proverbs. It's not just a good of, of good writings, and it's got a good feel, but it is the infallible Word of God. It came down from heaven to humanity. It's the only thing outside of this world that tells us how this world got here and how we're going to be able to get out of this world. I believe the Bible. I'm going to stand on the Bible, the Word of God. And so the Word of God is true, righteous, holy. How do you know? Because it's a living Word. I've tried it. I've obeyed it. And I've received the benefits of obeying the Bible. And I've lived the Word of God. And I've, it's been a, a cherished part of my life, my whole life. And so the Word of God is real. And through this principle, through the, through the approach of laying out a tabernacle upon which that the children of Israel would be able to approach unto God, there was a tabernacle and there was a gate entering into that fenced off area. So what good is a gate without a fence? And what good is a gate and a fence without something to protect? And uh, there's got to be something inside that's worth protecting. There's got to be something. And that, thank God that's why God gave us men and women. That's why God gave us husbands. That's why God gave us wives is to be able to protect the sacred things of our home. Uh, not just at a, at, at a corporate level but at an individual level. God has placed you as a man, as a woman. You're there to protect. And so there's a gate, there's a fence, and there's a surrounding of the tabernacle. And in the surrounding of the tabernacle, that which was sacred, that which was holy, dwelt on the inside of the tabernacle and dwelt inside and behind that fence and behind that gate. And I just want to tell you some of the boundaries that's placed and some of the protections that's there. It's really to protect that which is holy on the inside. That's where the glory of God dwells. That's where the presence of God dwells. That's why there's... there's the Bible says let all things be done decently in order and that's the reason why in a sanctuary there ought to still be respect and reverence children ought not be on the platform children ought not be running and screaming through the building but there ought to be a sanctity there ought to be a respect for the reverent things of God hey 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 this is a, come on somebody this isn't just an old barn somewhere this isn't just an old house somewhere but this is a tabernacle this is a dwelling place of the Shekinah glory of God. We've got something worth protecting. We've got something to keep it sacred. 
And so there were there were structure inside of that tabernacle. It didn't just happen happenstance. It didn't just happen. Uh, it, it wasn't just a free for all. But there was a structure inside of that tabernacle, and there was a way of approaching. If you were going to get into that gate, Hallelujah! There ought to be a praise and there ought to be a thanksgiving. Well, when we come through those doors, we ought to have a thanksgiving on our lip. There. You might have had a fight with your wife, but you ought to have a Thanksgiving on your lips. You might have had an argument, but 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 somewhere we got to get rid of that, and we got to say it's church time. I've come to worship God. I've come to glorify God. I've come to give God praise. That entering in into His courts with thanksgiving, into His gates with praise. There's an entering in, and there's a sanctity. And so whenever we approach the house of God, I tell you, the enemy will attack you on the way to church, believe it or not. I mean, you, you, you'll get mad, and you don't even know why you got mad. You know why? Because the enemy's trying to attack you because he knows you're going to the most sacred place in all of the world. You're going to where you can be blessed, where you can be strengthened, where you can be uplifted, where your life can be transformed, where your life can be changed, and he wants to get you off on the wrong road, get you off on the wrong thinking process, but I can just remind you that you're on your way to heaven and we're at the gate of heaven. This is the heaven. If you're going to get to heaven, you're going to have to be a part of the church. If you're going to get to heaven, you're going to have to walk with the church. And so, and so going into that gate, there brings a, a praise, a thanksgiving, a worship, uh, an expression and that's what ushers us into a place. There ought to be a heart of gratitude, a thanksgiving. God, I want to thank you for your salvation. I want to thank you for where you brought me from. Songs that we were singing today, perfect songs of you didn't leave me like you found me, God. But he brought me such a mighty long way. I remember praying repeatedly at one portion of my life. God, I'm glad you didn't leave me like you found me. Uh, you didn't leave me the same man that you found me. But you loved me. You, you, you saw not what I was, but you saw what I could be. You looked beyond faults and failures and you kept working with me and you kept helping me and you kept bringing me and I look back and I realize I'm not what I used to be I'm not what I want to be but I am not what I used to be and by the helping grace of God with the mercy of God I'm not going to stop until I become the man and I become the woman that God has called me to be So make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, I'll be honest with you, I came this morning to preach tonight to those that are perfect, really. And if you got it all figured out, uh, meet with me after church and we'll write a book together and make you millions. Amen. And uh, But if you got it figured out, okay. And if, and if you're perfect, okay. And if you never find and look at the end of a day and say, man, I wish I'd have had a better day than this. And I'm not talking about because I had a bad day, but I'm talking about I didn't do as good as I wanted to do. I wish I'd have prayed a little more. I wish I'd have fasted today. I wish I'd have done something for the kingdom of God today. Is there anybody here right now that'll say, I, I come to that moment. God, I, I wish I could have done more. I wish I'd have had a better spirit. wish I had a better attitude. Wish I wouldn't have said that. Wish I wouldn't have done that. And you know there are times that when we get to that moment, you know what we want to do? We want to act like God 
is like us. And we want to start thinking God thinks like we do. And we want to say, you know what? God's sick of me because I'm sick of myself. Like it when we see thoughts in others and we want them to just change, man. Get over it. Come on, let's change. Then all of a sudden I reach for the fork and, and I realize, well, I want them to change so easy. Why don't I just change so easy? Man, I want to get a control of that appetite. Oh, Jesus, help me. And it's, 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 it's not always easy becoming. But, man, the only way we're going to do it is get our flesh under control and, and, and fast and break this flesh and say, God, forgive me, help me, help me, help me, help me. But we get to that moment that God doesn't want to have anything to do with us. God, God's tired of us. And, and man, I, I'm coming to church, but I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to do anything because I don't deserve to go to church. I, I don't even deserve to walk into the sanctuary. I don't even deserve. I hadn't been as faithful as I should have been. I, I shouldn't have said some of the things I, I said. And we get to that place where we don't feel like we ought to worship Friend, I want to remind you, you don't worship God because of how good you are. You worship Him because of how good He is. Yeah, and I'm not talking about living a sloppy life and, a, and just doing whatever you want to do and coming to church and acting like everything's normal. No, I'm talking about facing a real God and saying, God, I don't feel worthy, but I know one thing. If you'll forgive me, I'll do a better job next week and I'll do a better job tomorrow. And if you'll help me right now, I'm going to give you glory, I'm going to give you honor, and I'm going to give you praise. One of the verses that comes so strongly at this moment is a verse that says after that we have done all that we have been commanded. Luke chapter number 10, 13, somewhere in there, uh, I believe it is. He uh, says that after I have done all that I have been commanded to do, he said, we say that we are unprofitable servants. So if we're not careful because we live good, we think that we're profitable. He said, after you've done everything that you have ever been commanded to do, you need to step back and say, Lord, I'm still an unprofitable servant. I still don't deserve to come into your sanctuary, but I'm coming into your sanctuary, and I'm saying thank you because you've been good to me, Lord. There's a, there's a little quietness right there. You know why? Because hell wants you to take your guilt home with you. Hell wants you to take that home with you. Boy, the devil's a liar. Boy, he'll jump up on your shoulder and won't let tomorrow, won't let yesterday go. He'll try to ruin today because of yesterday. Man, he'll try to ruin today because, and he'll ruin tomorrow if you'll let him. But you got to say, no, you're not going to ruin my day, devil. You're not going to ruin my church service, devil. I may be an unprofitable servant, but watch what this unprofitable servant does. Serve the Lord with gladness. And when you get a revelation of him, 
It's easy to serve him with gladness when you realize how good God is. So, man, that's just fake. No, that's a revelation. No, that can't be real. I'm telling you, it's more real than the adversary is. You can serve the Lord with gladness. And you can come before his presence with singing. Why? Because you know, you know that the Lord, he is God. But isn't God this terrible person that got a rod ready to beat you? And you know what? I want to say this. Jesus preached about hell more than he preached about any other subject. He preached about hell more than he preached about heaven. He preached about hell uh, just about more than any subject. He preached about finances. About 25% of all of his messages was about finances. But he preached about hell more than he preached about heaven because it's a real place. And unless our heart is transformed and unless we're changed, that's going to be a terrible place for a soul that is lost. But I want to remind you, if you've been buried in his name, you've been washed in his blood, you've been filled with his spirit, that's not your destination. That's not where you're headed. Satan, you're a liar. Hell was created for you. Hell was not created for the child of God. It's not created for the one that keeps struggling and fighting and keep pressing on. It's created for the Satan and his angels. I'm just here to tell you I'm still a part of the church. Hell has not been able to stop me, and it's not going to stop me. Maybe seated. God is he that made us and not we ourselves check this out we are his people and if we're his people and we're the sheep of his pastor that's what's so beautiful brother Hall is that we think because when we mess up or make a, a poor decision bad decision wrong word we think he plucks us up puts us in another pastor <laughs> you know you happen to still be in the same pastor you were in when you felt like you were doing good. He's still the same God. He's still faithful. He's still God. You're his people and you're the sheep of his pastor. Do you think that because you messed up, He's going to put you out in a dirt pit. Or do you think he's going to say, come here, I've got a nice pasture for you. And I want you to eat healthy grass. I want you to drink pure water. So, so all of a sudden, you're thinking you're on different territory. You're in a different land. You're staggering. But all of a sudden, you hear a familiar voice saying, hey, come. Come. All of a sudden, you hear a familiar voice calling you by name. Come pray. Come on. And you, you, you lift your head tentatively, and you feel the presence of God. And you're like, oh, whoa, I, I still hear my shepherd. I still feel the presence of God. I must... Now, this is the reason why I can serve the Lord with gladness. I still hear my shepherd's voice. Still get to feel the presence of God. The danger in that is... If we're not careful, we'll begin to believe that it's okay to do those things. That becomes damaging to the relationship. It's not that it's okay to do those things. It's just that, you know, the sheep of his pastor, verse 4, he says it like this, enter into his courts with thanksgiving 
to his gates with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? Verse 5, because the Lord, the reason why you got a healthy pastor is because you got a good God. You got a good God. And that's what makes us have the ability to come and sing when we feel like we've stumbled. That's what gives us the ability to lift our hands and weep and cry when we've fallen and made a mistake, Brother Billy. Not because I'm good, but I haven't forgot I got a good shepherd. Because I got a good shepherd, it makes me want to sing how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. That's what I'm singing about. Not how bad I am or how bad I've messed up. It's not about that. But I can sing because I've got a good Lord. I can praise because I've got a good Lord. And his mercy is everlasting. Now, Brother Josh, that's, that's powerful when you think about every morning his mercies are renewed. Every morning. You know, I'd have given up on myself a long time ago. Man, I'd have said enough of that. Man, you let a brother do you wrong a time or two, you're going to get offended and say, I don't care to be around you anymore. Aren't you serving a God who don't treat you like we treat our brothers, how we treat our sisters? we do those things we feel like God now here's what I want to tell you I want to be merciful to my brother and I want to be merciful to my sister and I want to be loving because the Bible plainly says by what measure you meet out now check this out shall be measured back to you. So how you want to be treated is how you treat others. And the Bible says, shall men, what you give, shall men give unto you. I'm glad I'm not always at men's mercy. Because if I was only at man's mercy, Man has a limit with his mercy. But the Lord's mercy is to everlasting. Brings a new dimension to Psalms chapter number 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So I don't have to leave the field. I'm glad I have a good shepherd glad to be a part of a spiritual kingdom. Matthew chapter number 3 verse 2 John came preaching and he preached repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want to say it like this. This is an everlasting kingdom. Of course when the uh, prophecy was foretold in the book of Daniel he talked about a kingdom. He talked about an everlasting kingdom 
and of his mercy, his everlasting mercy, his everlasting kindness. He's always merciful. And yet in that everlasting kingdom, he said, of its increase and of its peace, there shall be no end. Of course, that's in the book of Daniel in the prophecy of the image that was that was smote with a rock upon the foot. The image fell, and that image fell because of one stone hewn without hand. And that kingdom, that little stone, filled all of the earth, filled all of the universe, and his kingdom, there shall be no end, and it's an everlasting kingdom, and of his peace. There's peace in a kingdom when there's structure and when there's direction. There's peace. And so in that growing kingdom, it was as Jesus came to the earth to establish that spiritual kingdom that he had John preaching, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter number 3 and verse number 2. Luke chapter number 17 and verse number 20 says it like this. He says that the kingdom of God cometh not by observation. And so the kingdom of God is not something that come and uh, we physically see it and it's something uh, and that's the reason why terminology like this is a little different because you go to work and you live in a secular world and it's medical terms and it's uh, uh, political terms and it's banking terms and the list goes on and it's rare that you have someone that you can sit down with and you can talk about the kingdom of God. God has a kingdom on this earth. And he said, this kingdom's not coming by observation, but the kingdom of God shall be inside of you. You're going to be the tabernacle. You're going to be the dwelling place. Matthew 6 and verse number 10 says, as we begin to pray that we should think of prayer like this, we should say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy, thy kingdom come. And so kingdom is something that's protected by the gate, protected by the fence. And so the kingdom is that which is hidden. And so there's a spiritual kingdom, number one, that is coming. And there's a spiritual kingdom that will not come through observation. And he said, when you pray, pray that the kingdom of God would come to earth. As it is in heaven, let it come down to earth. Matthew chapter 6 and 13 he begins to close out that prayer and he says for thine is the thine is the kingdom thine is the kingdom for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever in other words don't lead me into temptation in the physical realm because I want to still be operating in a spiritual realm it's your kingdom it's your power it's your glory forever forever I want to be a part of that forever kingdom I don't care what my family I want to be a part of the forever kingdom. I don't care what my sister says. I want to be a part of the forever kingdom. And so, as we begin to see that kingdom, he's praying that it would be established. Praying not only that that kingdom would be established, but he's wanting you to pray that you recognize it is his kingdom and you want to be a part of it and you don't want temptation to lead you outside of that kingdom. Matthew chapter number 6 verse number 33 says it like this. 
as this kingdom begins to unfold, he said, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. Because if you'll seek first the kingdom of God, and I say it to every young person, I said to everybody here today, you want to seek first the kingdom of God. Put him first. I don't care what's going on in your life. You can't put family first. You can't put friends first. You can't put anything first. You got to put God first. Put God. Put God first. I challenge you to put God first. I challenge you to put God first. Put him first in everything. Put him first in your prayer life. Put him first in your dedication. Put him first. And he said if you'll put him first, seek him first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all of these things will be added unto you. You may be seated. John chapter number 1836 says, as he's facing crucifixion, it's about, and time is not on my side to give you all of the kingdom scriptures uh, it's it's rather lengthy, but at that moment when he is about to be crucified, hung, it's there that Jesus says, "My kingdom is not of this world. For if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants." If you always want to get in a fight. Maybe that you're of another kingdom. Boy, I'm preaching right now. You're always wanting to get in a scrap and state your peace. And well, I just told him what I felt. You know what? If you do what you felt, you'll be putting the sword back in your seat, bloody, because you don't cut somebody's ear off. And God's got to come behind you and pick up somebody's ear and do a miracle again. Healed the ear. He said, hey, now's not the time to fight. Now's the time we ought to be joining up, encouraging one another, blessing one another. I mean, you ought to learn how to keep that sword in its sheath. Doesn't mean we don't have one. It just means we got to know when to pull it. Because the Bible says if you live by the sword, you will. You're going to die by it. Before you know it, somebody's going to come by and slice you. And they may miss the ear. They may hit the jugular vein, and as you bleed out, it was because you pulled that sword. Well, hallelujah. Just put that one in your notes and save that one. That'll help save your soul right there. That one will help take you to heaven. Next time you feel like pulling that phone out and typing a dirty text, you better put that sword back in that sheath because somebody's going to shoot you one back, and it's going to kill you one day. Somebody better heal me in the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, hallelujah. I said somebody needs to hear me in the Holy Ghost right now. What you measure out, it can be measured back. And I'd whole lot rather be singing and shouting, testifying to the goodness of the Lord and deliverance than I had be wondering, uh-oh, uh-oh. So let's be sure that we don't send things out that if they were to come back, they'd kill us careful what we measure out lest it be measured back to us equal boy it would destroy us if some of the things that we do it was done back so 
he said, my kingdom is not of this world, else would my servants fight that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from thence. Ephesians chapter number 6 and 12 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so let's not take it out on flesh and blood. Let's not respond to flesh and blood. Let's remember that we're not wrestling against humanity, but we're wrestling against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what we are wrestling against. We are fighting as a church. When you come in and you don't feel like praying, don't forget you're wrestling against principalities and powers. When you don't feel like doing what you know you should be doing, we're wrestling against it. But I want to give you another verse, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. He says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's the reason why we can come and live a victorious life because I am a part of a kingdom that's a fighting kingdom. It's just a different kind of fighting kingdom. But I can tell you, I don't have to let a stronghold build in my mind, build in my life, but I can tear it down. I can tear it down. How? Because of the weapon. How do I do it? I come before his presence with singing. I determine I'm going to serve the Lord with gladness. I determine I'm going to come with a thanksgiving and a praise. So what are we a part of? We're part of a spiritual kingdom. Someone would say, what? It's a spiritual kingdom. Someone else would say, so what? And I would say, so what do we do? I want to be in that kingdom. That's the what I want to do. I want to be a part of that everlasting kingdom. So then the question comes, is there a way to get into that kingdom? Yeah, glad you asked. That's right. Matthew chapter number 7, 21. Not everyone that says, Lord, the Lord, is going to be able to enter into that everlasting kingdom. Matthew 7 and 13 and 14 through 15. He begins to lay it out, and he says, Now, there is a way that is broad. And he said that that gate leadeth to destruction. And everybody tends to have a way of finding that. It's an easy gate. Everybody can find a gate of getting mad. Everybody can find a gate of just living a sloppy life. Everybody can do that. But if you want to be strong, you want to be a fish that can swim upstream, any dead fish can float downstream. Any dead animal can get in the river and float downstream. But it takes somebody with some vigor, Holy Ghost vitality, that says, I'm not going to be like the world, not going to act like the world. I'm going to swim upstream. I'm going to swim against the tide. I'm going to swim against my own attitude. I'm going to swim against my own desires. I'm tired of the nicotine. I'm tired of being a, a slave to alcohol and to cigarettes. God changed me. Broad is the way, but narrow, straight is the gate that leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. So this gives me hope that there is a gate. This gives me hope that I can find it. Might be narrow, but 
I can find it. Might be narrow, but I can do it. Why? Because it's leading to life everlasting. I want to get to life. I don't want to live dead. I don't want to live in depression. I don't want to live a slave. John chapter number 3, verse number 3, begins it like this. Hey, boys. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for nobody can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And it's in that moment Jesus just kind of cuts through the chase and he begins to say, you know what, except a man be born again, you can't fit through that narrow gate. You got to be born again. Hey, if you could get to be a part of a kingdom, that inside of it, joy, peace, righteousness. He said, the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I want to ask you, if you could live a life of righteousness, peace, and joy, would you not want to do it? Man, if you could live happy, joyful, if you could, man, it'd make me want to sell my house and move closer to church. It'll make a man be willing to quit his job to get closer to righteousness, peace, and joy. Maybe narrow, but but that's what I want to do. If it takes my job, so be it. I want to go to heaven. If it takes my house, so be it. I want to go to heaven. But until you're born again, you can't see some of these things. But if you ever get born again, it'll snap. Nicodemus said, I want to see this kingdom stuff. I want to see it. But how can a man when he's old, you're presenting an impossible situation. And until we start looking different, it does look like an impossible situation. How in the world can I get another job? How in the world can I get another house? Just Put a different shade of glasses on. And all of a sudden you say, hey, God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He can give me a new job. God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He can give me a new house. I don't want to get out of this kingdom stuff. Boy, I feel good this morning. Man, I'll never forget that night walking into church about 10 o'clock. I, don't, I think it was about 10. It was late, late. And there was a man walking out. Man, he kind of had a little attitude, but but he he said, "Man, this is a new man." And uh, he had he had had wealth, homes, cars, everything, business. And all of a sudden, you know how life does. Hell will take you straight up and then send you straight down. And boy, when you crash and burn, it's a bad sight. And so he had crashed and burned. Took his wife. Wife had took his daughter. Now his house beautiful home, swimming pool, beautiful setup. Now it's rottening. Now it's in foreclosure. Now all of his cars is gone. He's living under a bridge. And they said, what was your biggest concern and fear while you were living under the bridge? He, what was you afraid of? Getting robbed? He said, no, man, I was afraid somebody's taking my chicken and eating it. Man, I've been stripped down to nothing but, well, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Lord Jesus help me. That ain't too bad, I'm going to tell you right now. But I guess eating it under a bridge would be pretty bad, right? So, okay, let's put it from there. I mean, and, uh, and I wouldn't want anybody stealing my chicken whether I was under the bridge or not. But nonetheless, 
here he is. And he, he's fearful of somebody stealing his chicken and, and he's busted. Now he comes to church and he's wanting to start over. And for four hours he'd been seeking for the Holy Ghost. And we walk out and they said, man, he's been praying for the Holy Ghost. I said, you want the Holy Ghost? He said, yeah, I want the Holy Ghost. And I've been praying and I didn't get it. I said, well, man, that's the easy part. Just finding somebody that wants the Holy Ghost. If you want it, you can get it. Come on back in here. He's like, really? I was like, really? If you want it, you can get it right now. And I, man, I watched him as, as we went back in and prayed. He crumbled to his knees and began to speak in tongues. As the Holy Ghost began to fill him. Power of God fell on him. His name is Brother McDuff. And uh, I watched Brother McDuff. Man, he'd walk into church in this kind of way he does it. He'd walk in and he'd say, oh, Lord, I'm back again, Lord. And he'd walk like that. Oh, Lord, I'm back again. And I'd be in morning prayer and he'd walk down that aisle. And I'd hear, oh, God, I made it back. Oh, God, this is my second time today I made it back. Oh, God, I'm double dipping today. Hallelujah. I made it back again. And then you'd hear him again about a little while later. I've watched him come in four different times in a day. And he didn't have a home, didn't have anything. But I watched him as God gave him a job. God gave him his car. God gave him a wife. God gave him his children back. God filled his baby girl with the Holy Ghost. attention this morning was in that setting Brother Holmes was praying that God would give him a house and he's like Lord Lord you know every sparrow that falls to the ground and he said the voice of the Lord said to him and I know where they roost too Brother Holmes went and got Brother McDonald and said hey there's a house. God's going to give you a house. And wouldn't you know it, the man owner financed it and blessed him, and he, he walked away with great blessing. I'm going to tell you, things happen when you walk through that door with a heart of appreciation and gratitude, and you serve the Lord with gladness. Oh, God, it's me again. Hadn't been perfect, but I just want you to know, I love coming to your house. I love being in your presence. Woo. Something starts happening in the Holy Ghost. The Lord starts paying attention. All of a sudden, you entered into his courts, and you're happy about serving, and he's happy about blessing you. He's happy about giving you the desires of your heart. And so, broad is the way, narrow is the way, but I'm glad he made a way. And so, there is a kingdom. There's a way to enter the kingdom. John chapter number 3, verse number 4, he says, That which is flesh is flesh, but that which is spirit is spirit. Then verse number 5, he says, Marvel not, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of. Now you're seeing an entryway. And of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. blessing to be able to enter into the kingdom so how do I get in here's how you get in water spirit water baptism spirit baptism how do you know 
was in Matthew chapter number 16, verse 18, when he begins to say, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. He said, I give you the keys to the... Peter, you're going to have the keys that unlocks that kingdom. And that kingdom, the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you bind loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew 16, 19. And later on, you'll find when Peter begins to preach... Acts chapter number 2, verse number 38. As they ask in verse 37, Peter, what must we do? What is it? There's a kingdom. What do we do about it? We obey the gospel. We enter through that water and that spirit. You have the keys. Acts chapter 2, 37. What shall we do? Acts 2, 38. Peter says unto them, repent. I know it's simple, but it's the key that unlocks the whole world. Hell's strongest kingdom is unlocked right there. I've watched him take drug addicts and unshackle chains with that key. I've watched him insert that key into a a broken heart and watch the chains just begin to fall. I know the world says, really? That, that's all, yeah, really. If you're going to get in that kingdom, you've got to let him take a key of repentance and stick it into that heart. Lord, I'm sorry, and I ask you to forgive me. Repent. And then he said there's another key that after it's been unlocked, there's another key. And it happened here last night about right here. We took a portable baptismal tank, and we filled it with water. And we baptized our precious sister Lori in the in the name of the Holy Ghost. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So, so the key has been inserted and you've repented. But now we're going to take another key that's going to wipe all of your sins away. Every crime you've ever committed, everything you've ever done. And suddenly we take her down in the name of Jesus. And another key has been inserted into her life. And now the sins that she's committed has now fallen away from her. And she's no longer held responsible. Those sins are forgiven. And then the third key. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I've received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I watched her. She began to speak in other tongues as another key. And she said, when I came into this church, she said, I felt that load lift. And as soon as I felt that load lift, as she began to speak with other tongues, she said, I just felt light. I haven't ever felt that way before. You know why? That's the way of entering into the kingdom. There's something precious back there. Peace, love, joy, happiness in the Holy Ghost. That you don't get there without some chains falling off. You don't get there without some sins being remitted. You don't get there without an infilling of the Holy. That's what puts you in the kingdom of God. Keys to the kingdom. So, what? And now what? Once I've repented, once I've been baptized, once I've been filled now what do I do? Romans chapter 6, 17 says, I'm glad that I have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was given unto me. I don't know about you, but I'm glad when I heard it, I obeyed it. When I heard it, I obeyed it. Matthew 12, 50 says, Not everyone uh, that 
that says I'm his brother, I'm his sister, it's brother or sister. But he said, he that doeth the will, he that doeth the will of my father, that's my brother, that's my sister. James chapter 1 and 22 says it like this, not just a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. James 2.19 says, you believe in one God, you do well. The devil believes there's one God and trembles. Somebody says, all you got to do is believe. If that's the case, hell's got a free shot. But it's a lot more than just believing. I need to obey. I need to obey. I'm glad I've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto me. Matthew 28, 19 says, once you have it, you wait, you go get it, but then you go teach others. Matthew 28, 19 says, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I know what the name of the Father is. It's Jesus. I'm glad I know what the name of the Son is. It's Jesus. I'm glad I know what the name of the Holy Ghost is. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Luke chapter 24 says that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name beginning at Jerusalem. I'm telling you, if you've, if you've entered the kingdom, we now have a responsibility of getting as many as we can to enter into the kingdom with us. And hell can't stop a church that's on fire. He said, upon this rock I'll build it and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So hell can't stop you from believing again. Hell can't stop you from getting up again. I don't care how far you've fallen. I don't care how bad you've been. Hell cannot stop you. There's no chains, there's no gates, and there's no walls that can imprison you that you can't get out of. Hell can't stop you from living holy. Hell can't stop you from being saved. Hell can't stop you from winning a soul. Hell cannot stop you. Hell cannot take the keys of heaven away from you. Hell cannot stop you when you decide you're going to pray and you're never going to stop. And I want to say, I'm glad I know that there is a kingdom. I'm glad I know I can enter it. And third, I'm glad that I have entered that kingdom. And because of that, hell can't ever stop you. If you make your way toward heaven and you just determine stop. Let's stand together across the building. I want us to join up one with another and let's pray. Ask the Lord's blessings upon us. down to the water. I'm glad you've been baptized. I'm glad you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. What a joy. Amen. I want to ask you, if you had an opportunity to enter the kingdom of God, would you
good. And if you, what in the world would there be that would ever hold you back from entering the kingdom? Now, I know that this is basic and elementary in the sense of its origin. It's simple. The gospel is very simple. You've got to believe it. It's death, burial, and resurrection. But you need to obey it as well. So there's an obedience to the doctrine. But I'm praying that God would help us as a church that we would get this part. Serving the Lord with gladness. Entering into his courts with thanksgiving and with praise. Coming in with a unity, a unified. But I want to get beyond just coming and entering and going back out. I, I want to enter and I want to go deeper into the kingdom of God. But it's going to have to enter through the praise and worship and thanksgiving unto God. And so there's a world that needs to be brought into this. But God, I want to go on in to the presence of God. That when I come in with singing and praise and thanksgiving, I don't want to stop until I'm in that holy place, in that holy reverence, wonderful touch of God. Amen. The wonderful presence of the Lord. I want you to greet your guests, greet your neighbors, and tell them it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm looking forward to a great time here tonight. Six o'clock tonight, five o'clock, there'll be prayer. Four thirty, there'll be choir practice. We'll hug next, shake hands, love one another. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus.